Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we hear from the CEO of Bigger to hear how greenkeepers are coping with the coronavirus lockdown. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Tom Clark and as ever I am joined by Elliot Heath. How are you doing Elliot? Hello Tom. Yeah, getting on well. Self-isolating now for the second week. Already bought a bike, done some cycling because I'm getting Doesn't quite fat. Like self-isolating if you bought a bike? Well no, I'm, I'm officially social distancing I guess is the term. <laughs> but, but yeah, put, putting on a lot of weight so need to start yep. getting some exercise. I know Have we've you... both been doing Joe Wicks. Yeah, yeah, but Joe Wick's uh, 9 a.m. Uh, warm up or PE lesson or whatever it is. So uh, that, I think I've done more exercise this week than I've done in in months, to be honest with you. So uh, that's that's a good thing, I suppose. But yeah, I, at least the sun's been shining and uh, been able to get in the garden a, a bit. But uh, yeah, oh, it is all very very tricky at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, oh, I wish I had a garden. All these videos I've seen of people with practice nets. Did an article on the website this week where. You got tour pros doing it. I saw Yus Loughton make a really good one on his balcony. People are using duvets, bed sheets, or actual official ones. But yeah, and I've there's got a bit of putting practice going on in here. But that's about it. We've seen there's been a few little disasters with hitting nets as well, haven't we? Yeah, that guy shanked it into his glass door. That was quite funny. And that's exactly got that why. And that is exactly why I will not be uh, having a hitting net in my garden because um, my neighbours would not be safe, obviously, with my game. So uh, put a net up around the whole garden. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I've got that much net. So things have obviously changed since last podcast. We did. We were wondering if it was going to happen. You did say that you thought that that last round of golf you played when you had those uh, different kind of rules that you were using, whether that was going to be your last round of golf for a while. And unfortunately, it looks like it will be the last round of golf in a while, won't it? Yeah, that was very sad. Played on... Saturday, I think, which, uh, yeah, it was very strange. So, obviously, we weren't allowed to touch the flag and stuff. Brought our own beers, and so did a lot of people. We were sat on the patio outdoors in the freezing cold because it was quite a sunny day. But as soon as we got in, the the um, sun went in, the wind got up, and just out there with no bar. It was very weird. did feel great, though, to get good exercise. Social distancing was in place. It did feel quite safe, but... I understand what England golf and the RNA have done in interpreting Boris Johnson's um, rules. Yeah, and advice, isn't it? And that's the thing. I know it is very. It will be very, very frustrating for a lot of golfers who actually think, you know, what I can go and play around the golf, and I, I don't have to interact really with anybody. Um, but I think it's all about the national safety and things like that, isn't it? And it's not just about safety for yourself; it's about safety for others, isn't it? So. Um, it has meant that there is an awful lot of question marks on what people can do and what they can't do and what's going to happen to our golf courses and our golf clubs as at the moment they all seem to be shut down. But one thing that has been chatted about a lot is about greenkeepers and the upkeep of these golf courses because when we come out of the self-isolating, which we hopefully will do in the not-too-distant future, what kind of state will the golf courses be in and are greenkeepers allowed to go and work on them at the moment. So actually, Elliot, you had an interview with Jim Croxton, the CEO of Bigger, the British and International Golf Greenkeepers Association. And um, 
had a chat about everything to do about about greenkeeping and their struggles at the moment and how they're dealing with everything. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good interview. I hope listeners you enjoy it. About twenty minutes long. We didn't just talk about what's going on at the moment, but we a lot of that was about the coronavirus. Uh, so to sum it up, basically, I think they're okay for the next few weeks, but as soon as April May time come, that's when our courses need to be maintained. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy what Jim has to say. Very knowledgeable, very experienced. And um, yeah, enjoy. So yeah, let's get right into it. Here is Elliot interviewing Jim Croxton. Hi, Jim. Thanks for joining the podcast. Um, Jim Croxton from the British and International Golf Greenkeepers Association. I imagine it's been quite a turbulent few days for you after the golf courses in the UK were closed down Monday night. Yeah. Hi, Elliot. Um, incredible, really. Uh, whilst you know, I'm 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 merely an administrator and I'm not on the front line. Um, like our NHS and, and everybody else that's keeping this country going, um, I have to say the sort of from from the Prime Minister's announcement uh, for the lockdown, the next 48 hours were probably the most intense of my working life. Um, just in terms of of the, the 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 impact of the statement, but the the lack of clarity around it, and so with two and a half thousand or so different golf facilities all over the UK, all essentially. Uh, interpreting the information differently or the, or the recommendations differently. We've been absolutely inundated with with contact from our some 6,000 Greenkeeper members, you know, wanting to know what they what they are allowed to do. Uh, a lot of people thinking they shouldn't be allowed to do anything. And so we've worked really hard with, with, the, with the sort of wider golf industry to try and get some clarity and to provide some leadership. And it's been it's been a privilege to, to have the opportunity to be involved, but it has been very intense. So have you got clarity yet? Are yeah, keepers going to work. We're pretty close. Yeah, we, we got we got um, some clarity from the government, uh, the Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sport, on Tuesday uh, issued a very very brief piece of guidance that said for security and essential maintenance reasons, greenkeepers can still go to work. So that meant that 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 golf courses could be maintained, but there's loads of interpretation in there. So what is essential maintenance? And that's what's been the large piece of work the last few days. And also this idea that greenkeepers can go to work is, is you know, I can I interpret that, that means that it's permitted, but it doesn't mean that they have to. Um, and we have heard of some of our members being basically forced by their employer to choose between, um, I guess, the disciplinary action or redundancy or coming to work. And, and one or two of those are, you know, in pretty difficult situations with, with at-risk people in their homes. So we've we've focused heavily on, uh, first of all, trying to make sure that, that any greenkeepers that are working, any golf club that's operating in that way, needs to be doing in, so in, in the safest way possible. And it is, it, it seems entirely possible for a greenkeeper to work in, in complete isolation, um, Shorter shifts, for example, uh, use, uh, you know, only one person uses a certain machine, don't share communal facilities, uh, work different, work different hours, you know, different break times, have your lunch in your car if need be, all that kind of stuff. And lots and lots, of course, of, of hand washing and cleaning. But the, the definition right now at the end of March of what is essential maintenance is, is very different on, on every different golf course, depending on the winter that's just been had and depending on your climate. We all know the difference between the south coast and the north of Scotland in terms of temperature and when the grass starts to grow. So we've worked really closely with the RNA in particular to try and define what essential maintenance uh, means. And, and we've been pretty, I think we've been pretty ruthless in terms of saying that 
you know, this is a this is a significant public health crisis, and um, you know, fundamentally, we should be encouraging as many people as possible to to stay in, in their homes. So we're looking for what is the minimum amount of work required to to make sure that when this crisis ends, and, and let's say it ends in 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 three weeks' time, when um, when the the original idea is that this particular set of measures ends, my personal view is it'll be beyond that. Um, we feel that the measures we're going to bring in will mean that a golf club can very quickly get their golf course back to playable, but it doesn't mean it'll be pristine immediately. And so we've had to sort of really restrict the general guidance down to to essential mowing, um, some irrigation if necessary, dependent on on weather, some some nutrition if needed, depending again particularly on on weather, um, and then and then whatever machinery maintenance and, and practice need to be done. There's a little bit of wriggle room in that there's a couple of sentences in there saying that, for example, spraying of chemicals and things is, is not recommended. But, you know, in an urgent situation, then then that can be done. We'll look to review this guidance, you know, as as and when every extension to the lockdown is brought out, because if it goes longer, grass will start to grow quicker. We, we don't know what kind of summer we're in for. If it's a hot one like 2018, then clearly irrigation and protecting the plant will be very important um, and, and, and other maintenance practice that would have be, that would become normal in a summer we'll have to take a view on whether those should and, and can be done in in a safe way so you think that greenkeeping teams will all be doing the same thing around the country and i know right now that there are skeleton operations there are pod systems in place some courses aren't even allowing their greenkeepers to work yeah <clears throat> absolutely i mean it, and that's the problem is a huge variety i i I spoke to somebody today on a 36-hole facility who has got his full team in working. It, loads of safety initiatives in place. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's not exposing them or the, their club is not exposing them uh, you know, overtly to harm, but it's by no means essential. What they're doing is actually probably getting more work done than normal because there's no golfers on the golf course. And I think that doesn't really go with the spirit of the recommendations that the, the, the government are, are putting in place to try and protect all of us. So we're going to, I know that the, the, um, the guidance will be received in, in a very mixed way. I'm entirely comfortable that some golf clubs have said, you know what, for these three weeks, we're just going to say greenkeepers have a break. Um, I assume they're being furloughed off and then their you know, wages being paid predominantly by the government. And that, that's fine. Three weeks in March, we've got a cold snap coming is, is probably not going to be critical. When this extends, if this extends, let's hope it doesn't, but it's likely it does extend. We have got to give some thought, the industry of golf has got to give some thought to what this looks like at the end of, let's say, a two or three month uh, period. Um, if you run a, a restaurant or a shop, then really with 24 hours notice, you can probably open. You can go and get your stock and you can get your staff back and you can open. But a golf course can't after a prolonged two or three month break. The industry, as we know, you know, it supports my business, it supports yours. It employs a lot of people. It's a multi-billion pound industry and we've got to do what we can to make sure that it survives after this, but but by putting nobody at risk. Um, and that's the real balance that we've we faced these last couple of weeks. Yeah, so what would golf courses look like if they weren't attended for three weeks? Over three weeks right now, with there being limited growth in general, you, you would obviously see um, the, the normal fine turf areas, tees, fairways, approaches and greens would be a lot longer. Greens would probably grow enough that they would require some remedial action over those three weeks. If these three weeks were in April, May, it would be a very, very different conversation. But across the next three weeks, probably they'd, they'd grow up 
um, you know, a few millimetres, they would they would change their nature because the, the grass plant behaves very differently when it's cut short to when it's allowed to grow much longer. For the first few days, it'll be really good for the plant because more leaf allows more photosynthesis. It's, it'll be really help, healthy because essentially greens turf in particular, you know, a, a shortcut grass is basically grass under stress. So the grass will be very happy for a little while. But after three weeks, I would expect most golf courses would have to spend a week or so gradually reducing the height of cut, bringing, bringing in some nutrition, some irrigation, probably some top dressing to try and ensure that the, uh, the plant is healthy and brought back to sort of putting standard over, over a gradual period of time. The big issue is if we, if we extend that into the growing season, if we get past Easter and we, and we get some warmth, um, and we've had two pretty, pretty decent summers in terms of, you know, the drought in 2018 eventually was, was difficult for grass growth. But there was periods in that when in the early part of the year when the, when, the, when the grass grew pretty well. So that's when we've got a problem. And that's when really this, you know, this definition of essential, it's a word I'm slightly uncomfortable using because the essentials right now are the NHS and, and keeping people safe. But in terms of the, the future of golf in the UK, what is essential is keeping that golf course in a condition that it can be brought back to playability in, a, in a, as short a time as possible at the end of the crisis. Yeah, uh, for you, in a way, is this sort of a, I wouldn't say a good thing, but will golf courses benefit from not having golfers on them for this prolonged period of time? Um, uh, a loaded question. Uh, yes, yes, they will. Uh, in terms of, um, you know, our our members would love the opportunity to to give their courses a rest when the weather is good. They obviously get a rest, rest obviously in the winter sometimes when it's either frozen or very wet. But at that time, usually the green cubes can do nothing about it. So yeah, in the short term, this is this is not the end of the world. Golf traffic actually is part of is part of golf maintenance. So if if people aren't walking on, you you may find I'm assuming you're a golfer yourself, Elliot. You may find that you occasionally go onto a back tee that's rarely used at a golf course and it's kind of spongy and and soft and not as good as the other tees because the traffic on it isn't enough and there's a balance between the amount of golf that's played uh, and the amount of maintenance um but i know that a number of our members are you know are in the short term quite excited about having no golfers on the golf course because it means some of the work they've been trying to finish can get finished hopefully but really really quickly wow uh, thanks for that jim um just about you for our listeners how do you become CEO of Bigger? What, what has your career been like to get to that um, progression? Well, I, I got very lucky, I think, on a number of occasions. My, my background, um, hopefully interesting to some, uh, my parents in the late 70s took over the running of a, of a bankrupt golf course in the Midlands. Um, my father gave up his job and sold his house and, and bought the lease on a, on a small golf club in Northamptonshire. And we moved and lived, lived in it, um, lived on it. We lived in the clubhouse for a while. Then we, then we lived in a caravan and eventually built a house and and actually, the, the, the club only left my family's uh, possession uh, this year, back in January this year. Um, they've passed it on to the membership. So my, my dad ran it for 40 plus years. So I grew up on the course and I did pretty much every job that the golf club presented from the pro shop to greenkeeping to bar work to, to cleaning the toilets and doing the handicaps. And um, when I left university with a really useful degree in astrophysics, I, I applied for a job with the PGA um, in the mid-90s and got it and worked in tournaments and worked for the PGA in total for 16 years, ending up on the, on the management team at the, at the headquarters of the Belfry. 
And then my predecessor at Bigger retired at the end of 2010, beginning of 11. And uh, I was fortunate enough to, to come through the interview process. I'd always had a real fondness for greenkeeping, having done it when I was, when I was younger. Um, always had a pretty good relationship with the greenkeepers I worked with in my PGA days, running tournaments and things. And so nearly nine years now uh, working as the CEO of Bigger um, and pretty much good fun all the way through. Yeah, so so what's the industry like at the moment? Because I know a lot of golf courses up and down the country have been closing. So are there less jobs for greenkeepers or or are there um, too many people that want to do it? No, we are probably uh, at, a, at a pretty difficult point in terms of attracting new people into the industry. I think uh, the advent of minimum wage, which is a, is a fantastic thing for society, but has been a challenge for golf clubs who have relied on reasonably low paid people, you know, and, and the lower ends of their greenkeeping teams. Clubs are pretty strapped for cash, a lot of them, we know that. And so we've had, we've seen a lot of a lot of greenkeeping teams having to work with one or two members of staff less than they would like. There is also um, there are some fantastic jobs in greenkeeping. There are some very highly paid jobs in greenkeeping, but on average, it's not a highly paid trade. It's done for the love and the passion, and they're incredibly passionate people. But a lot of the service industries around greenkeeping perhaps have become more attractive. In, you know. Um, uh, supply chain, sales of, of, of products into the industry and uh, agronomy and a few other areas, technical expertise. So we've seen a little bit of a brain drain over the over recent years. Um, however, the, the the young crop, the guys in their 20s and 30s coming through are extraordinary, you know, really, really modern and tech savvy, but but also passionate about the, about the job. So when a golf club, a decent golf club advertises its course manager, you, you would normally get a pretty hefty set of applicants. You'd get 50 to 100 applicants looking for that role, um, uh, you know, which is which is pretty healthy. And, and we do pretty well at the, at the deputy course manager level. The hard thing is filling some of the some of the roles lower down the team, uh, apprentices and, and assistant greenkeepers. And we're working pretty hard with, a, with a, a lot of other organizations in golf to try and attract people into the role. We're seeing a lot of people come in from second careers, you know, um, ex-civil service type uh, and forces coming in later on, like in some outdoor life. Um, but we've still got to do a lot of work with golf clubs to help them, I think, value their greenkeepers better so that they, they pay better for the, for the skilled and technical job that it is. Yeah, because you need a, a qualification, don't you? I don't know if you need to go to university to become a greenkeeper or can you just get in at the lower levels and work your way up? It, there's been a number of different methods over the years. At the moment, the, the normal route in is to start on the tools and work up. So most guys will start in a, in a reasonably unqualified way and, and do it all through through kind of on-the-job training with colleges involved, day release, block release. Um, there isn't there isn't a huge amount of people doing the, the sort of full-time greenkeeping courses that there were in the past. I think we're going to see that change a little bit in, in the next few years. We're pretty close to, to, to revolutionising our education system so that there are opportunities for people to, to study higher qualifications than there currently are. But, yeah, the, the thing about it is is that it's, it's a highly technical job. Um, you do the qualifications, but, you know, if you pointed the average golfer in the direction of the machinery facility and said, off you go and change a hole, cut a green, whatever, they, they wouldn't know where to start. And it, so it's a, it's a technically proficient role. And there's a, there's a, a heck of a lot of sort of um, competencies picked up during your time in greenkeeping. There hasn't been a, a good enough kind of recording system, that an accreditation system to properly accredit greenkeepers, which is what we're working on right now. And, and, and we're hoping, this crisis notwithstanding, that we would have had that kind of launched and out there uh, during 2020. Are you worried about more clubs going under over the next few months and costing greenkeepers jobs and 
crucial members of staff jobs as well in the industry? Of course we're worried. Every time a golf club closes, it is, you know, personally tragic to a number of people. There are people that have invested, and this is not just staff, this is golfers as well, invested their sort of heart and souls in into that particular club. It, it's handy for people, they live locally, etc. What we're seeing, um, generally speaking, albeit there's an acceleration, I guess, now, is is that the, the majority of greenkeepers, for example, that are that are uh, committed greenkeepers and want to continue are being redeployed reasonably easily. There was a golf course not far from our offices base called Flaxby Park near the A1 up in North Yorkshire, and it closed a number of years ago now. But if I remember right, they had 11 staff, and nine of those were redeployed in equivalent or better roles inside months. Uh, and as I, as I think I understand it, the, pre, the other two were kind of not too bothered and went and did something else they were happy to do. There will always be people, particularly if some of these courses are remote, for whom it is 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 pretty inconvenient. But generally speaking, because there is a usually a, a, um, availability of roles in the industry that most guys can get redeployed if they want to. And I think the same is true of golfers. They're they're tending to find that if one close one course closes in a certain area, there are five, six, seven, eight, nine other ones locally that will that will snap up their trade if they do. And and in the end, those those golf clubs get healthier when 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 one's kind of closes, which is. I guess the sort of um, the silver lining. Yeah. So, so the plan now: get more clarity from government, and hopefully, have a good summer. Don't let the courses get too overgrown during this growth period after Easter. You said, wasn't it? Yeah. The, the sort of our members refer to it as the spring flush. So when it when it warms up, which could be any time in the next, I guess, three to four weeks, um, there's there's a cold snap due, but who knows how long that will last for? We're told we can't really predict the weather at all beyond about seven to ten days. But eventually the spring will be here and um, the grass will start growing. And, and that's when some maintenance becomes really essential so that so that when the crisis ends, golfers can get back out there. I, I was on a, a call yesterday with some people and we're all, you know, terrified of what's going on and, and, and really mindful that it's a it's an absolute crisis. But 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 believe fundamentally that when it's over, there's a there's an amazing opportunity for golf to kind of reopen with a bang. Um, really have an opportunity as a whole industry to sell the benefits of playing golf for everything, for for, for competition, for social, for for mental and physical health and well-being and fresh air and all the good things we know about golf. And, and I'm really hoping the industry, the industry has come together really well so far in dealing with the start of this crisis. I think I'm hoping it can continue to do that as we come out and, and present a kind of a better future for the sport. But I, I'm sure there'll be some issues between now and then. All right, Jim, thanks a lot for joining the podcast today. I appreciate your uh, insight there and good luck for the coming weeks and months. Thanks, Elliot. Much appreciated. Okay, there you go. There was Elliot talking to Jim, uh, Jim Croxton from Bigger. Uh, Elliot, I thought that was a really interesting um, interview. Obviously, you're a golf club member. Is there anything that really stood out for you and that you actually felt a bit positive about? Yeah, I think he said that that greenkeepers might be quite happy that their course is having a much needed break. I know he said that we're on for a, a cold spring now. I love how greenkeepers just can predict the weather like off the top of their head. Whereas obviously if you ask us what's happening in the next few weeks, we'd have to go and Google what the weather's like, but it just shows you how closely they monitor the weather this week and what's coming up. Uh, I found it interesting as well that I don't think a lot of golfers will know this, that cutting the grass short, is actually stressing the grass and I think he said that this will be good for it to grow out a little bit get the leaves grown and the photosynthesis but yeah of course they're hopefully getting some clarification soon on what they can do but 
if they can't do anything in the summertime, that's when it really would be disastrous. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. I mean, obviously, you know, grass is a plant, and if it can uh, strengthen itself without having to be cut and all that, then I think that is is the only positive, I think, that we can take from it. Uh, it's come to, obviously, the time of year where there's going to be a lot of growth, isn't there? So, fingers crossed that our greenkeepers stay safe out there and look after those courses, and when we're going to be allowed to go back out and play, that the golf courses are actually going to look even better than they would usually at, uh, at that time of year. So, so fingers crossed on that. Um, moving on to other news now, and as ever, there is just so much news going week to week, and things which would be absolutely headline news seem to kind of go down the, the listings a little bit. So firstly, this is quite big news, isn't it? The Olympics have been postponed. I remember when this happened, I was watching the BBC 10 o'clock news in the evening, and they didn't mention that the Olympics had been postponed until 28 minutes past 10. Uh, <laughs> where of course, that would have been absolutely front and centre um, a few months ago. So it looks like the Olympics is going to be postponed till 2021. Um, hugely disappointed, of course, for the host, Japan, and everything that they had, had planned for that. But I think it's probably the right idea at this point and the right thing to do at this point, isn't it? Yeah, we spoke about it last week. I think it definitely is. I think a lot of the athletes will be very relieved that it is. And I think a lot of the tours and the majors, like the uh, PGA of America, USGA, I think they might be eyeing up that spot. What is it? 30th July to 2nd of August. It's currently got the British Masters in it for the men. And mm -hmm. uh, they're probably secretly quite happy that the Olympics is gone so they can have a stronger field but then also a major may turn up and completely wreck the show yeah we don't well we just don't know at the moment do we? there are suddenly some spots obviously opening up with these cancellations i think i think the, the reason why the olympics was not delayed earlier is because actually there's a huge amount obviously infrastructure wise but even like the, the uh, athletes village i think that they're, they're actually all getting turned into houses for people to to live in um, or flats to live in after the, the games. And I think a lot of them had already been sold. So there's obviously lots of, you know, balls being juggled and plates being spun. But I think the right right thing's been done. And hopefully it also means that we've got the chance to get, we still see some of the big names qualify and have a good run at trying to qualify for the Olympics. Because at the moment, it, it looked like there was actually not going to be a very big chance to, to actually make it, was there? So uh, I think that's probably a, be a better idea. But there's other issues also happening around the world of golf, the US Open looks likely to be postponed. It's supposed to be being held at Winged Foot, which is in New York. At the moment, New York is the epicenter of the coronavirus in the US, and Winged Foot is currently closed. USGA say they're holding the dates of monitoring guidance, and no grandstands have been built yet. Now, this is not far away now, is it? Uh, obviously, that's this happening in June. Um, that kind of I, I just can't see that the US Open is going to happen at all there at the moment. The USA today has announced that there's now got more cases of coronavirus in the US than in China. So we'll have to wait and see, but I can't see that the that that's going to happen. Can you? No, I think in next week's podcast, we'll probably be discussing the fact that the US Open has been postponed. There's talk of it going to, I think, Valhalla or somewhere else in the US, but... The US doesn't look very good at the moment in terms of that's the coronavirus. Right. And I think that's it. At the moment, I think it's... 
you know, we're all talking about oh, the US Open in June. I, I, I really worry about the whole summer of golf on the PGA Definitely. Tour because at the moment, like, you know, the, obviously USA is a huge country with no, without any borders in between their states, really. And, um, you know, things are, things are progressing there and they haven't got to their peak yet. So um, I think we do have to really wonder what is going to happen out there. Um, I know the Ryder Cup is still going on at the moment. That hasn't been cancelled either. But um, I do worry um, because I think at the moment that, that they've still got the worst still to come. Um, whether Donald Trump thinks it or not, I don't know. But um, I think that the PJ Tour is in, in real danger of being completely, um, completely maybe finished for the year. Who knows? So um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, yeah, other... I completely agree with you. Sorry, Tom. The next event is Colonial on the 21st of May. And no, uh, no. <laughs> no chance of that happening. Yeah, I got, you know, it's just not going to happen. Who's going to turn up there? You know, these guys, they don't all live close to the course. They're coming from all over the world. And you can't get around. And people just don't want to be in these situations at the moment, do they? So I find it just completely baffling at the moment. I think people have got to put a, draw a line in the sand and say there's not, nothing's going to happen before uh, mid-June, end of June. And then, um, and then work it out from there. Give a month-by-month month, um, update. But, um, well, we'll wait and see. Um England Golf, you spoke to England Golf, didn't you? And um, said there was no plans to delay the World Handicap System, which is launching in November. Yep, emailed the Handicap Committee there. They say, and I quote, work is continuing and will do so throughout the year, most of which golf clubs and golfers would see irrespective of the situation we find ourselves in. So I guess that the World Handicap System will launch in November as it's supposed to, which Mm -hmm. uh, will yeah, be a new dawn for golf, well, for amateur golf especially. I'm really looking forward to that. I think it should be a good thing. I know a lot of people don't, but, yeah, oh, I can't wait to get out and play golf again. <laughs> it's I really going to make us appreciate it. Yeah, that, that, you, yeah, you're right. I mean, I was supposed to play golf last weekend at a golf weekend. That got cancelled the last couple of days beforehand. And, you know, I haven't played golf now for ages. So, um, yeah, no, I think people, when the people are going to be able to go out, I think, there's going to be hopefully a big injection of people going to support their local clubs and getting out there and getting as much exercise as possible. Um, what the tour player's been up to, Elliot? I know you did a, a post recently. What's the best thing that you've seen a tour player who's self-isolating or social distancing doing at the moment? Uh, I'm going to say it again, Eric Van Royen. I, as <laughs> I, a, um, right now, I'll set you up there. As a bit of a metalhead myself, I, just, I love how good he is on the guitar. So... Firstly, he did a cover of the Foo Fighters, and then the next video was ACDC, and he started the hashtag Music Mondays, and he's asked for requests, so I might put in a request for a bit of Papa Roach next week. <laughs> yeah, look forward to that. <laughs> look forward to it, yeah, you've got to get that Also, um, Ryan Fox, did you see him on the drums? I did. Very impressive, so I'd love to see like a... Uh, Pro golfer band get together or something. Well, they used to. Who were the? Uh, who were the? Uh, who was Bubba Watson? What were they called? Bubba Watson and Ricky Fowler. Oh, the Golf Boys. The Golf Boys. We need a new Golf Boys, but ones that can actually play musical instruments. That would be good, wouldn't it? Maybe you can do all do it over the internet. That should be fun. So, what else have we got coming up on the podcast in the in the next few weeks? We've got hopefully a few decent interviews. We're actually getting a bit of time with some guys over Skype and over the phone. Obviously, all those guys are just sitting around at home and uh, it's a good, a good opportunity to, to chat to a lot of people. 
Any ones that you are looking forward to doing, Elliot? Yeah, I think I'm speaking to Scott Gregory very soon, the 2016 amateur champion. Got a very good story. He beat Robert McIntyre in the final there. And mm-hmm. I think we'll also be speaking to Robert McIntyre as well. Fingers um, crossed. And just how the parallels line up. Like McIntyre lost to Gregory in the final. It was both their rookie season on the European Tour last year. McIntyre won over €2 million. Euros. Uh, Scott Gregory missed 19 cuts and yeah. lost his card. It just shows you how on that day Scott Gregory beat Robert McIntyre, but uh, just how golf changes and the mental side of, game, of yeah. the game. I think Gregory's how, had a very difficult get, time. Yeah, how hard it is to get a career really is, is amazing, isn't it? And um, also, but there is some positive news with him. Obviously, he actually looks like he may have actually won the, the last event that actually happened. So, uh, um, that, that's a good thing. And yeah, there's going to be lots of other potential interviews with, with players and maybe some gear manufacturers as well, which we're hopefully going to, going to bring to you. Also, we want to know how you're doing, how, how, how you're surviving out there. Is there anything that you're doing whilst you're self-isolating? Send us some videos, tweet us, Facebook us, or chat to us on Instagram. You can talk to us on our channels at Golf Monthly on Instagram and Twitter or Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. Um, also, of course, you can email us as well, golfmonthly at ti-media.com. And also, something this happened this week is that the new issue of the magazine came out. And you can get that magazine if you can't leave the house, but you want to get a copy of that. If you go onto our website, you can click on a link and you can get the sent the magazine straight through your door, which is um, obviously a great way of keeping up with some of the great features and reviews in there. Uh, and also, we have a very special offer going on at the moment for a subscription. You can get three issues of the magazines for just £5. Yes, you heard that. Three issues of the magazine for just £5. Uh, and if you want to get that, you can go to www.golfmonthlysubs.co.uk slash podcast. Nice, easy URL for you to do there. Or, of course, you can go to the Golf Monthly website as well. But that um, URL is golfmonthlysubs.co.uk slash podcast. Uh, and if you get that in there, you'll be able to get three issues for just £5, which is fantastic because it's uh, it's usually four ninety nine an issue. So um, that's really good value. Elliot, what have you got lined up uh, for the weekend? Uh, I am walking... A family friend's dog. Good. Um, I don't know. <laughs> no, apart from that, I've got a bag of popcorn in the cupboard <laughs> I need to eat. So that's good. You're walking you... a dog and eating some popcorn. That's, that should sort you out. Have you been watching Tiger King on Netflix? I have not. Oh, uh, you need to watch that. But before you watch it, you need to watch the Louis Theroux documentary with the Tiger King from 10 years ago. Listeners, no. if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's incredible as in it's just unbelievable that's a good uh, good bit of advice i will mainly be doing some gardening this weekend and entertaining my four-year-old son and uh, changing my two-month-old daughter's nappies so there you go lots of fun to be had there um guys thanks ever so much for listening uh we'll be back again next week stay safe i think is the big the big thing we should say and uh, keep believing we'll get through this and um, we'll be off playing golf again soon. So until next week, Elliot, thanks for chatting. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tom. No worries. And we'll speak to you again next week. Bye-bye.